0: We left off in the book of Romans. Would you please turn with me, please? You know what? We're at, we're at a place now where Paul is starting to raise the bar. This is a very, very logical study we've been doing through this great book. We've seen in the first 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 chapters, we've seen what it means to come to Christ by faith and faith alone. And Paul has been preaching that almost to a point where you say, okay, Paul, I got it. But he keeps on telling us how that salvation comes by faith and faith alone. It does not come by anything you or I can do to appease God. What we do to appease God is trust in His Son for the forgiveness of our sin. And Paul has beat that to a a point of, we get it, Paul. And then all of a sudden, maybe even abruptly... Paul stops and he says, now I urge you, when we started in chapter 12, I urge you, he says, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God. In other words, now I've shifted gears on you, Paul is saying, I'm going to stop telling you about how much you have gotten from God, how much he loves you and how much he wants to give you everlasting life, heaven forever and ever. And now he says, I want you to give back to him, present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice. And now every week, Paul is raising the bar a little bit for us. And this week it's it's amazing. He has given us a credo, if you would, a, a, a way of life. It's concerning how we act as a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you're in the 14th chapter now of Romans, we're going to read from verses 7 to 13, but I want you to look first with me at verse 13, because verse 13 is everything about what Paul wants to present to us. He says, I do not want you. He says, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather let's determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in another person's way, in a brother or sister's way. That's the very credo of what Paul is trying to teach us. He is raising the bar to say now, you and I have to not only be concerned about who we are, but we are now to be concerned about the family of God and the people that we come in contact with, and we are not to put a stumbling block in their way that might harm them From walking closer and more in love with the Lord God Almighty. And that's where he's at. So I want you to take note as we read through this that Paul is speaking to believers and how we as believers are to conduct our lives towards others. Read with me, please, in Romans chapter 14. And I want you to read with me verses 7 through 13. Listen to these words, listen to them deeply verse 7, Paul says, For not one of us lives for themselves, and not one of us dies for themselves. If we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, he says, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Verse 10, but you, why do you judge your brother? You again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, as it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us shall give an account of themselves to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any more, but rather let's determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother or a sister's way. Paul is saying that we ought to be careful how we live with each other, but first he is saying be careful how you live for yourself. And I want to I want to try and teach this this morning. It's probably one of the most critical points in our lives as believers for those of us that wish to grow in our faith. And that's what I want for you and for me that we not just come to church and and okay, we We've done God His favor for the week. Let's go home now and do whatever it is we're going to do. But let's come here to become more and more the person that God has created us to be. Let us become more and more conformed into the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. That's our purpose in life. And so, I want you to think this through as we study it. It's a great place in Scripture. You'll see. Father, let's pray. Father... uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for David Briggs and for uh, how he so beautifully taught uh the message of love, and faith and peace in these last 3 weeks and thank you for those that that do so much here at this church. There's there's so many that have such a wonderful hand uh in in what goes on here. I, I look and, and see of course uh uh the Slaysacks uh others, Father, who just have a, a hand upon helping people become more and more like like they ought to be. I pray You'll bless us all. I pray that You would open our eyes, dear Father, so that we might behold wonderful things that come from Your law. I pray that You would move me aside, dear Father, so that I would not interfere with what You want to say to any of us here, whether, it, whether You wish to encourage us or comfort us, whether You wish, wish to convict us, or help us to move along in our faith. Whatever it is that you want to do, let me not interfere, Father. Let that be as clearly presented as possible. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone here. God bless just everybody, Father, please. And I pray that you'll, uh, you'll allow us to, to be a church that really makes an impact in lives of those that choose to attend. Bless us, please, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Wow, I love you so much. It's tough being away, but it's good coming home. Listen, the reason that Paul gives us for not causing another person to stumble is very clearly written out. We read it just a moment ago in verses 7 through 10. He says, let me read it again because it's so important. He says, not a one of us, verse 7 you want to look at it, not a one of us lives for themselves, not one, not a one of us dies for themselves. What is he saying? He says, if we live or if we die, we live for the Lord. We die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. What he is saying in verses seven and eight is it's all encompassing. Everyone belongs to the Lord, whether they want to or not. It, it doesn't matter what they think about God. It doesn't matter what they think about church. everyone belongs to the Lord. Whether you live or you die, you die for Him. You belong to Him. And the reason is, verse 9, For this end, Jesus Christ died and lived again so that He might be Lord. In other words, He might be the judge both of the dead as well as the living. It's important for everyone to realize how each of us one day will stand before the judgment seat of God. There are no exceptions, folks. No exceptions. Believers as well as non-believers are going to stand, but but there is a great distinction between believers and non-believers of the coming judgment seat of God. Let me share with you what they are. First, let's talk about those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. For the believer, we shall stand before what is called the Bema seat of God. The Bema. B-E-M-A. Bema seat of God. And each believer at that time will be judged not on their sins. Why? Well, because Jesus Christ has died for our sins. And the moment you have come and asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, by grace, He has there and then forgiven you forever for all your sins. The blood that He shed upon the cross covers our sin. And so we will not stand before the judgment seat of God for our sins, but rather we will sit before stand before the judgment seat of God on the things that we have done in His name. That's why I, I try to encourage all of us to be a part, to have a part. You know, Brian said it so beautifully about singing with his mother. I mean, that the two of them could use the gift that God had given them and to use it to share it with the body of Christ is the very purpose of why we gather together. That's what I love about our church. We are a family church. And this epitomizes it to the max that we serve the Lord, serve the Lord in whatever fashion He has given to us. As a matter of fact, I forgive me, Mickey, I, I, I'm i sorry. But I was in the back with, with David Briggs. We were standing back, sitting back there, actually. And I watched Mickey... Is escort some people in and, and and make sure they had a seat. And he, then he talked to a, another gentleman in the back. And I looked at David. and I said, "You know," I said, "as as great of a preacher you are, and whatever I might do as preaching, neither of us are any better than what Mickey does here in this sanctuary. It's it's all of us have this a capability of 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 using our gift for the glory of God. And 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 just because." I'm visible, or David might be visible, and you see this, uh, doesn't make it any more important than, than Tony and Bob and, and Dorothy and Mary and, and, and Bob, uh, I said Bob, Dick, working in the kitchens, preparing all the food for breakfast. We all have a part. And so our part is, we will not be judged on our sins, those of us who have trusted in Christ, We will be judged on those things we do unto the Lord. And that's why, if you ever wonder, let me just give you a, for instance, what I do before I come here, every service, never missed once. I go upstairs, I go in my room, I close the door, I go over my notes, and I pray. And I ask the Lord, please, Father, empty me of myself. In other words, I don't want any credit for what goes on here. If anybody comes and says, this was a great message, Father, I'm not going to go, okay, I'm not going to, oh, no, no. It's, oh, praise the Lord, oh, praise the Lord. I'll just say thank you, but Father, you know, in my heart of hearts, I'm sending that all up to you. I don't, I don't take credit for any of it. I have emptied myself. And, and that's what we should do. And I think doing that, we serve the Lord the best we know how. There were three verses that we took a look at, and you probably know them by heart, or at least you know the general idea that talks about serving the Lord. I want to share them with you, and then I want to turn you to 1 Corinthians, which is just to the right, two or three pages. You're in Romans 14. Turn to the right, a couple pages, and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and just hold your place there, and listen to me, listen very closely to what we have already studied so that you might know these verses. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10 For by grace you and I have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. In other words, we can't muster up enough goodness in and of ourselves to be saved. For by grace, God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. We have been saved through faith. It's not anything we have done. Rather, it is a gift of God. God gives you the gift of everlasting life. Can you imagine? It says, it is not a result of works. In other words, like I've just said, you can't do anything to muster up enough support for yourself for God to say, He's worthy. He or she's worthy. No, it's not a result of works so that we may not boast. In other words, God knows us. Oh yeah, if we could boast, we'd be in heaven. Oh yeah, I belong here. I did. That the thing that Jesus did was okay, but really, I I paved the way for myself. No, He knows we boast. No, we can't take any credit. But the next verse is so important. Once salvation comes, it says we are God's workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, the reason you and I come to Christ is what Paul taught in Romans chapter 12. We've been created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. He's already got the good works ready for you so that you should just walk in them. It's, it's, not, like, it's not brain surgery serving the Lord. It's just serving the Lord. He's got the whole thing laid out for you. All He wants you to do is walk in them. And so, as Paul is saying here, we're not going to be judged by our sins. We're going to be judged by those things that we've done. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 6, for instance. Paul explains, I planted, Paul says, and Apollos watered. Now, Paul and Apollos preached in the church in Corinth. And Apollos was a magnificent preacher. And Paul says, I planted, and Apollos watered. But, watch what he says, but God was causing the growth. We didn't do it, he says. God did. Look at verse 7. So then neither the one who plants, myself, meaning Paul, nor the one who waters, meaning Apollos, is anything. No, it is God." who causes the growth. He says it again. Now he, verse 8, he who plants, meaning himself, and he who waters, meaning Apollos, are one. In other words, they're in the same, same business, if you would. That's a bad phrase. They're in the same ministry. They're in the same purpose. They have the same driven idea. We are one. We're doing this together. And each, he says in verse 8, will receive his own reward according to his own label. That, folks, is where Paul is speaking of the believer's reward or what is commonly known as the Bema seed of God, where we will be not receiving any retribution for our sins because they've already been paid for, but we will be receiving rewards for those things that we have done in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, For we, talking about believers, Christians, we are fellow workers, we are God's field, we are God's building. And then Paul states his ministry, if you would. He says, according to the grace of God, in other words, God's unmerited favor given to me, which was given to me, he says, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on this foundation. And that made me think of what we've done here. Like I'm preaching the gospel, and then I go away, and Dave preaches the gospel. And we all preach out of the same foundation that has been given to us. It all began by Jesus Christ. He passed it on to his apostles. They preached this message, and then it has been passed on from church to church to church to generation, to generation, to generation. And none of us are supposed to waver from this message that has been given to us. This is the only message that is to be preached. This is the foundation. Look what Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now he says in verse 12, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver or precious stones or wood or hay or straw, each person's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each person's work. If, anyone, if anyone's work which he has built on it remains, that person will receive a reward. I don't really understand what that means. I wish I could tell you. I, I, I believe there is going to be crowns given to us in heaven. I believe that. But I also understand that we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. So I don't know what the purpose of it all is. I, I don't know. I do know that it is, it is worthy for you and me to serve the Lord right now while we draw breath, while we have our own will to serve the Lord. So we will receive a reward, it says in verse 14. But I want you to look at verse 15 closely. If any person's work is burnt up, they will suffer loss. Yet, note carefully, but they themselves will be saved, yet as so through fire. I'm not sure what that means, so as through fire. But I know what it means that you will be saved. In other words, you and I cannot lose our salvation. And even if our works is worthless and gets burnt up, we will be saved but as though through fire. I don't want to find out what that means. I don't know what it means, so as through fire, and I don't want you to learn either. I just want you to know that you're secure in who you are in Christ Jesus. You will be saved. Why? Well, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God? That the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone destroys the temple of God, God will destroy them. For the temple of God is holy. And that is what you are. Folks, you and I are holy individuals because God is holy. Those of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior have received the righteousness of God in us, which makes us holy. Not because of who we are, but because of Christ who lives in us. Okay. That's the Bema seat. That's the judgment of the believer. What about the judgment of the non-believer? What about those who refuse refuse the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? Decide not to come to Him by faith. Jesus tells them that they will have to go through what is called the great white throne judgment seat of God. It is called that event is called the second death or the lake of fire. I want you to look at it. Um, For those of you that are not believers, I want you to look at it for one reason. I want to scare the hell out of you. I do. I love you that much. And for those of us who know the Lord, I want you to see how much, how much, why it is important for us to do the things of God, to build the. The family of God, so that we can make an impact for the name of Jesus Christ to those who choose to come and visit us. It's like that dear grandmother said to me at that wedding, I want to give you a kiss because she said that, but I gave the people that were there that didn't go to church a chance to take a good, hard look at how much Jesus Christ loves them. In Revelation chapter 20, are you there? Did I ask you to turn there? I've forgotten. Did I? Revelation is the last book in the Bible. The 20th chapter is right near the very end. There's 22 chapters. So look at Revelation chapter 20. John writes in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, he says, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. I mean, you talk about the majesty of our Lord. Heaven and earth actually fled away from them, and there was no place found for them. This, folks, right here, is the great white throne judgment seat of God. And this judgment seat is for non-believers only. I'll show you why. John writes in verse 12, And I saw the dead, the great... And the small, you know, those people who are important in this life in which we live and some who are not so important. John says, I saw them all. They were all there together, the great as well as the small, standing before the throne. And books, note, books are plural. They were opened. And another book, book is singular, was opened, which is the book of life. That is the believer's book of life. I'm going to share with you about that that book in a moment. But you and I want to have our name written in that book. Look, it says, and the dead, still in verse 12, right? In the middle of it. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, plural, not the book of life, according to their deeds, the things that they have done. The sea, verse 13, gave up the dead which were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged. Folks, this is the great white throne judgment seat of God. It is a terrible and awesome place. Every one of them were judged according to their deeds. Look, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Watch this now, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, that person was thrown into the lake of fire. That is called hell, the second death, that terrible and permanent place. Now, let's stop for just a moment. Let me not let you walk out of here with wondering, is my name written in the Lamb's book of life? And if, if it isn't, how do I get it in there? Your name is immediately inscribed into the Lamb's book of life the moment you by faith ask Jesus Christ to forgive you your sin. And for by faith ask him to come into your heart and make you the type of person he has created you to be anyways. We are taught in Scripture the moment you do that, your name is there in unreasonable ink put into the, the book of life. And your name is there forever. And you'll never have to worry about it. You want your name in that book. Your name in that book is purely by faith. Faith in Christ alone. There is no other way. God's amazing. I mean, He's not like us. I mean, if it was up to me, I would say you could have your name in there just by having a, a good meal, you know, or whatever. Whatever. God says, no, you've got to trust in my son. You've got to come to believe in him. And so, those people who choose not to come to Christ by by faith go through what is called the second death. That's a terrible and very permanent place. Now, I know this for certain. I, I believe I know this for certain. If you have not yet come to Christ and you're here, I, I, don't, I don't think for a second that you're going to hold this What I've just said this moment or two now against me. I don't. I believe that you really can see why it is so important for believers to try to lead you into this wonderful, amazing life with Jesus Christ. We're not being selfish by doing that. We have nothing to gain by doing that except that we love you and we want you to come to Christ and we want you to walk with Him because it gives you everlasting life. The, the other side is so terrible, we're compelled to try to lead you to Christ. And so if you have a family member that just beats you to death with it, give them a break, they're trying to save your soul. Same thing for a preacher who comes to you and has enough courage, enough guts to say there is a hell and you would want to avoid it at all costs. We want to help you avoid that. We want you to grow in your faith. We want you to become the person that God has created you to be. Once you become that. Turn with me back and let's close in, in chapter 14 of Romans. Once you've come to Christ, in verse 10 we can see that we did not live or die for anyone else. Christ did. He says, therefore, why do you judge your brother or you? Why do you regard your brother with contempt? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God, but don't think that we're all standing before the same judgment seat. Those of us who have come to Christ will stand before the the Bema judgment seat of God, and we will be judged by the things we've done The other side, those who have not trusted in Christ, will stand before the white throne judgment seat of God and will be judged by not coming to trust in Jesus Christ by faith. It's a terrible thing for any of us to try to play God by trying to judge or show contempt towards another person. The work of Christians, our credo, if you would, is to serve the Lord. And our concern, really, Paul teaches here is twofold. One, our first concern ought to be for ourselves. In other words, to be the type of person that God has called us to be. It says in verse 10, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of God. In other words, we're going to be judged by the things that we do as a believer in Jesus Christ. On the other hand, we are to be a light for others in this world. People that don't know Jesus Christ yet, whom God brings into our life. That's verse 13, key to this whole study. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Rather, let us determine. Determine this about ourselves. Do not put an obstacle, do not put a stumbling block in anyone's way on their, on their journey to come to Christ. Since the work of you as a believer in Jesus Christ is to serve the Lord God, therefore our first concern should be how we live to serve Him. Next to that, our concern is how we live with other people, not causing them to stumble. Let me close with this example. I think you know this. If you don't, you should. In the New Testament, it does not forbid the drinking of alcoholic beverages. I know some people say, oh, you can't, you shouldn't drink. Well, that's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, Paul gave wine... For this one guy that was having a rough time, he said, let him drink wine for his stomach. It might help him. Uh, Alcoholic beverages are not forbidden in Scripture. But, I know you know a but was coming on that. There are many good reasons for us to abstain from alcohol. One of the most important is the detrimental effect it could have on other people. For instance, if someone is a former alcoholic and we, by drinking, tempt them to start on that terrible road of dependence and addiction again, shame on us if we do that. Or about that person who has a quote-unquote hidden potential to become dependent, not realizing that once they begin, they will not have the will to stop. About 20 years ago, I was invited by the Dodgers themselves, uh, actually the front office this time, uh, to come uh, to Vero Beach, Florida, because they had just purchased a ball player that just got out of uh, drug rehab. He was uh, addicted completely and fully on cocaine. And they asked me to come to spring training and babysit, basically. Just kind of meet with this person, try to to draw them into this and to this other path, to walk a straight and narrow path, so to speak. So I went to spring training. I was in Vero Beach the whole time and got really good friends with this guy. I asked him one day, I said, how did it all begin? What what started you on the road to cocaine? That's what he was addicted to. He said, well, I went to a party. He said, my buddies were there and they were doing some cocaine. And, and one of them looked at me and said, You're going to have the best time. Have a taste, man. Just have a little bit. It won't hurt you. And you'll have the time of your life. And the guy convinced him to have one. And he says he loved it so much that he couldn't stop. And it took him on that spiral downward. You never know that our drinking or our doing something and and even in moderation, could easily place a stumbling block in a brother or a sister's walk, cause them to fall into an addiction. You know, when we were studying through this great book, we came to Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. It it talks about those that know better, know that there's a God, have no excuse, but they just deny Him. I love chapter 1. I read it often, and I'll tell you why. In verses 24, 26, and 28 of of Romans chapter 1, it says that they began to sin so much that God, it uses these words, God gave them over to what they were doing. Let them go. Go ahead. You want to sin? Go for it. And in verse 32, the last verse in chapter 1, it says this, although they knew the ordinances of God, in other words, they knew better, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. It says, they not only did it, but they also gave hearty approval to those who practiced it. I want to share with you something. I don't know if I've shared with you before or not. But verse 32 was my life once, sadly. I was raised much better. I was raised by a very moral dad and a very moral mom. And they taught me a lot about integrity and character. My mom and dad, good people. I I guess most people think that about their parents anyways. But my mom and dad were exceptional to me. But when I got away playing baseball professionally, I started going a different direction. When I was playing baseball in Hawaii, I started to live it up a little bit, more than a little bit. And when rookies would join the team, I'd say to them, look, I'll take you out one time. I'll show you the ropes You're going to have more fun in this town than any town you've ever been in in your life. Hawaii is a playground. And I'll introduce you to the people that that run the bars and run the clubs. And I did. Anybody that wanted to go out with me, I did. Took them out. Showed them the ropes. I was that person. I was the very person that my father and my mother raised me not to be. Even though I knew the ordinances of God, even though that I knew that those that practiced such things were worthy of death, I not only did it, but I gave hearty approval to those who came along with me to practice it. God says you can change. I have. Now, I was never an addict by the grace of God, and I never drank by the grace of God, but I I did enjoy a good time. I always, always got, a, I got a little bit too serious here. I want to lighten up a little bit. I always get a kick out of the preachers that say, sin is terrible. Sin is, is, is terrible. It is a terrible, terrible thing. It is never any fun. And I always yell back at the radio, oh, you should have been with me in Hawaii, dude. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. No, you can change your life, though. What Paul is trying to teach us is to abstain from anything that might cause another to stumble. Paul was careful with every soul that he came in contact with. So much so that back in Romans chapter 14, the last part of verse 13, he said he was determined. And this I want to pass along to you. I want to pass along to me. That we would become determined not to put an obstacle, not to place a stumbling block in anyone's way, but rather that we would build them up in their faith. That's the principle that Paul is leaving you and me with this morning. I love this place in Scripture because it challenges us to be a better believer in Jesus Christ, someone who wants to help others on this path called Christianity. Well, I'm going to tell you before I pray, I love you more than life itself. I want to tell you this before I pray. I am so thankful to be home with you. Looking into your faces is, I just, I, this is, you guys I love so much. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the people here in this room. And some people here, Father, I, I don't recognize their faces. Thank you that they're here. I pray that you'll bless them. Bless us all. And Father, I thank you for this place, this church that we can come to, that we have a place, a home now, a place that we can establish for ourselves, a place that we can feed people in between the services, a place that, that we can bring people and feed them the Word of God as well. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. In Jesus' precious name, I say thank you, Father. Amen.